Want to make money online? Let me shortcut your learning curve. This is Side Hustle Show 348. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because you want to build your arc before it starts raining. Hat tip to Tom Morcus for that one and perhaps an appropriate metaphor for today's show. In this episode, I sit down with Side Hustle Show listener and new blogger Jamie Robe to discuss his new site, hunkerdown.guide. It's a resource for people in the path of hurricanes and tropical storms. Now, the site's just a couple months old, so this isn't a success story episode. Instead, it's a chance to listen in on an online business coaching call between me, Jamie, and professional blog coach Kim Anderson from kimandersonconsulting.com. You might remember Kim from episode 253, which was on how she made financial independence a reality for her and her family with the help of her own blog, thriftylittlemom.com. Our goal here is to help Jamie nail down his content, promotion, and monetization strategies, and to help you do the same with your own site. I think Kim and I would agree, if we knew what we know now about online business, we could have certainly accelerated our results and saved a ton of wasted time. Notes and links for this episode, plus the full text summary with all of our top tips from the call, are at sidehustlenation.com slash Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, this time. Now, as a resident of Central Florida, Jamie's seen and survived his share of hurricanes and tropical storms, and he set out to build a helpful resource for others in harm's way. So that was his niche selection, and we begin this call with his evaluation of the competitive landscape, because he can't be the only person out there talking about this stuff, right? I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Jamie and Kim after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. There are a lot of websites and web resources about weather, and i kind of addicted to a lot of those sites, but there's not a lot of things that have to do specifically with hurricane preparation that are realistic. There are lots of government sites and literally it's just like a joke on most of those sites. They're either total doom and gloom like the FEMA website, the the hurricane page has like the worst possible case of like a leveled neighborhood and then it tells you to make a kit with like 10 things in it and somehow that's going to save you. They don't have practical things like how to drill holes in your walls and put bolts and where to find the shutters and all these practical kinds of things. But I'm kind of swamped. I started this January or June 1st, which is the first day of the hurricane season this year. All right, we'll dive into all of that stuff and, and get Kim's take on it too. But did you have any specific goals for the site and what you'd like to get out of this call? Well, I would like to be able to build up readership. I want to help people. I do want to make some money, but I do want to help people. I don't want to do this just as an exercise in futility. I'm willing to wait, slug it out. You know, I've got the crickets thing right now where there's nobody out there, but I'm willing to work on this for a couple of years to build up the traffic because I believe it could really be useful to people. Any meaningful traffic to the site today? What's the page view picture look like? It's crickets. (laughs) I'm really excited when I post things to Pinterest and I get like 20 people coming in or something. Yeah. Well, the site's two months old, so it's brand new. Right. Okay, Kim, first impressions here. I'm really excited, actually. (laughs) I was looking over the site earlier and I have three pages worth of notes to discuss because you've got just a great niche, in my opinion, niche, however people want to say it. 
And what's great about that is that means you have a relatively warm audience already, right? Unlike like maybe a lifestyle or something else that's going on, like people are coming probably to your website as it grows specifically for specific things. And so when they get there, depending on what you're writing about, they're already kind of warmed up to this idea of survival or preparedness or whatever it may be in relation to that. So that's what kind of makes me excited is because I think there's a lot, uh, there's a ton of room for growth. I have just lots of tips, I think, just based on kind of what I've looked at your website and kind of listening to you talk now. So it just kind of depends on where you guys want to start. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the content strategy up to this point. So you've been publishing since June 1st, since the start of hurricane season. What have you been doing to come up with article ideas? Are you worried about running out of content? Or, you know, what has the content production been look like so far? Like I said, I'm a computer engineer, so I'm a very geeky person, but I'm also kind of outgoing and I'm a pretty good writer. So I like to write and I was envisioning at the beginning that I would kind of just write an ebook about the subject and then use the site to kind of funnel people into buying an ebook. But then I started thinking maybe I just need to be posting, I think they call them the skyscraper type posts. And I've been putting together materials for the ebook so I could break through and take a lot of that material and just put it on the site. I was going to do it in little drips and drabs, but now I'm thinking maybe the better strategy would be to make a bunch of really long, detailed posts and just forget about trying to sell an ebook right now. Just try to get people to come and get useful information and then monetize. So an example of, of a, the skyscraper type of post that you're talking about for hunkerdown.guide would be 101 things you can do to prepare for a hurricane or tropical storm. That seems to be like kind of the pillar piece of content at this point. Right. And every one of those things could be a post. Okay. That that sounds like a perfect place to start. Okay. So building out this website to me, you're trying to become an authority in this. And so I think that you've already got that kind of going for you because you're an individual person who has had experience in multiple hurricanes. I mean, you live in Florida, so you live in it every year. When I started looking at your blog, and I'd like to start with sort of your categories, is I feel like by starting there, it can help you understand how to develop the content a little bit easier. So instead of just having that kind of generalized blog category up there, which I know that you have that there because basically you started in June. So you have a fairly new blog. But I feel like it's important that you build that out into really specific categories at the top of your website. Because something that you mentioned earlier is that when people do hit your website, right, oftentimes they're a little bit behind the mark and they need to be able to navigate to the information they need rather quickly. Would you agree? Yes, I think you're right. I don't want them to get lost. (laughs) Right. You want them to come and be like, blog, 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 and then scan through whatever your latest content is. I feel like your best approach would be to build out a very authoritative site. So like you're saying with this kind of long form content. And if it were me, when, when I was kind of looking at your site and I was thinking about different categories, and I'm just, I like to brainstorm, and I call this the no bad ideas zone. <laughs> I'm going to throw these ideas out just as food for thought, just to kind of get the ball rolling and to help you kind of think about these things. But if you had three categories, okay, so let's say you did prepping, survival, and maybe aftermath, cleanup, or something like that as your three main categories. And then you went in and started building out really authoritative content on how to prep, how to survive, and then how to clean up afterward. Does that make sense? Yes, I like that. Because those would be three things that you could start. You could maybe start with prepping and you could brain dump like all the ideas that you would have for authoritative content on prepping for a tropical storm or hurricane. 
and kind of write those articles, fill out that category, and then move on to survival. And so you would start with these really basic things. And I encourage you to look at it from the lens of, you may think people know things, but they don't always know things. So even write articles about those things that you might be like, well, duh, everybody knows this, because there's people who actually don't. Right. And that's why, like, with my daughters, they didn't know how to do anything. And they really helped me put those shutters up. It took us days. So I know that anyone can do it from scratch if they're given the good instruction. So I I like that. I want to help people who aren't engineers or construction people or something. Right. And I think that's that is something that definitely will be doable with the kind of site that you're building right now. And also getting clarity with those categories is going to help search engines understand what your site is about as it scans your website. Okay. And now the authoritative posts, are those what people call the skyscraper posts, the really long ones? Yeah. I mean, there's different people that have different names for those kinds of posts. I, authoritative is better for me to understand. I don't, a skyscraper makes me think of something tall. So. <laughs> maybe that's how, is that how it gets his name? Is it because you have to scroll for a long time? Oh, maybe. I never put that together until now. <laughs> I don't know. That's a very good point, Nick. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I always heard that people's reading is so limited. They'll only look at like a few bullet statements and scan a few things. And so I was at first, I was thinking, well, I'll just do a lot of small posts because then you could go right to a small subject matter. But then it seems like the longer posts with videos and tons of pictures and stuff can really give a lesson basically on how to do something. It seems like a better idea, but it seems like they're totally diametrically opposed. And I've tried to think what I look at, but I tend to look at very long posts about technical things. Well, and I tend to consume things like I really don't want to go to 14 different websites to get the answer to the thing that I'm trying to do. I want to go to one website that tells me everything I need to know, but that is very skimmable. And that's why, you know, it's important to use like the H2, H3 tags is important. I mean, headers, it's important to use bullet points and things like that because you're wanting to do that readability. And that also helps when you are using those H2, H3 and bullet points and stuff like that to potentially get put in the Google featured snippets, which can drive tons of traffic. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'm on the 101 things you can do to prepare for the hurricane right now. And this is like, this is a fantastic list. I've heard it referred to as kind of a fishbone strategy where it's like every one of these could eventually be a post on your site, but maybe in the early days you link out to the most authoritative resource on that topic in the meantime. And it's like, now you have an excuse to email all these other people who may be in your niche or tangentially in your niche and say, hey, I just wrote this epic guide to things you can do to prepare for a hurricane. I featured you in this post or featured an article in this post. And it's a way to kind of get traction and maybe social shares right out of the gate. And then eventually you go through and try and create an even more authoritative resource for every one of those and have those internally linked. This is kind of what I've done starting out accidentally over the years with the 99 Side Hustle Ideas post. It's like, okay, I'll link out to some people who talked about idea XYZ. And then over time, it's like, well, now I have an interview about that, or now I have a blog post about that. And so I swap those links out internally. But to Kim's point about like just readability and structure, it's like, okay, here's 101 list. It, it reads like a giant block of text. So I need a little more white space on this page and some subheaders. Like, okay, are there different categories within this list? Something to break it up visually, I think would be pretty helpful. I could break it into the three categories she just said and then have like a third of them in each one. Sure. 
Okay, so one thing that I wanted to point out, I know you have this kind of like weather section and there is a bit for you of urgency when it comes to different storms that kind of pop up, right? And so a suggestion that I had for being able to really direct people quickly and easily that kind of content when they hit your website during particular hurricane weeks or days or however long it sort of takes is to get almost like a, I don't know if you've used this before, but a hello bar or some sort of like floating bar at the top that says, you know, are you prepping for hurricane blank? Here's all the information on that and like with a button. And then during that whole week, that hello bar would just appear on the website and that would make it really quick and easy for anybody who was coming to the site for a specific storm to find that information. You can also do that using a plugin called What Would Seth Godin Do? And what that does is lets you basically put this announcement almost like at the top of each piece of your content where you can say, hey, like, are you getting ready for this storm? Here's all the information I have about this storm. You can follow me here or whatever with some sort of link that would take them to where they can get information on that or up to the minute information or like just like a prepping guide or whatever you want to send them to. That's great because the weather thing, like I said, I've loved to read weather sites and watch weather stuff all the time about hurricanes, but I didn't want to reproduce their things. But I did put a weather page with materials that, that I update and it automatically updates too. But one of my strategies I kept thinking was when there's a storm like Hurricane Barry just happened recently, a short-lived hurricane. But if I have the first post about how to prepare for Hurricane Barry, I'm just thinking, should I be building out posts with these hurricane names ahead? We know the names of all the storms that are going to happen this year, but we've only had like one so far. At some point, there's going to be like a Katrina or a giant storm somewhere in the United States, and there'll be like, everyone will be focused on that. I just don't know how to capitalize. I feel bad about it, but how to get people driven into my material. The thing with SEO is SEO is kind of a long game. And so the longer website is around, that kind of counts towards your domain authority. And it might be, to be honest with you, taking advantage of something like Twitter or something that's going to have a higher domain authority for you than your current website is. Like if you, you know what I mean? Like Twitter, when I get on looking for news, for example, it seems like on mobile, there's always like a Twitter feed. People are talking about different things. So it might be taking advantage of those more up to the minute social media outlets that might be able to get you more exposure in the, like in the short term, if that makes sense. Yeah, you can follow the hashtag for that specific storm. And it's not spammy because it's like, hey, this is legitimately helpful content. Hey, if you guys need help prepping, check out my stuff. I was just looking up some keyword research for you. I'm in Ahrefs right now, and it seems like far more people are searching for broader hurricane preparedness topics rather than information on specific hurricanes. I think I think you've got a really hard road to try and write up to the minute content unless you're going in and like changing the title tag of each of those as the next storm approaches, which you know may be a viable option. But you know the broader problem solving content is going to be applicable to all these storms. And I think that's kind of where your sweet spot is going to be. Yeah, because especially if you're on Twitter and you've written this like how to prepare for a tropical storm and then you hashtag it with whatever the name of the current storm is, like that's kind of how you can quickly get on people's radar because your competition in live storms is always going to be news station, you know, CNN, like any of those big news places. So I think your long-term game should be to focus on the authoritative content rather than the short-term, but you can optimize, like you can, you know, sort of optimize that last minute, all that kind of stuff, I think on social media. 
Especially Facebook. Like that was one of the ones I was going to say is because, you know, every time there's a tropical storm or something and you know somebody who lives in that town, like you're probably like sharing all these articles that you find about preparing or evacuating or whatever with your friends on their Facebook page, you know? I I think that makes sense to try to then bring these people back to the site. That was one of the things I had a question about too, like the news. I can't compete against CNNs and things like that. And they're writing stories on a specific hurricane. I'm never going to be able to, in in a short term, be able to get up to the high place, the good ranking in the, in Google, it seems like. But I guess if people are looking on how to put shutters up or how to set up a generator and things like that, I can over time win at those. Yeah. And especially one thing I was going to point out again with like the social media ranking is considering putting those videos that you're embedding on your own website on YouTube because YouTube is going to, with the right keywords and stuff like that, you're going to have a better shot at ranking with your video right now too. Because again, YouTube has a higher domain authority. It has like a 98 out of 100. That's stuff to think about too. Yeah, I plan on having a lot of video. I've been doing some, but I haven't. Again, I was kind of building this material up either to do a course or something or an ebook or something like that. But it just seems like I need to just really just focus on putting everything into the site and not worry about creating a product yet. Yeah. And I mean, and you can create a product, but what I tell people is if you've got no eyeballs, there's no reason to have a product yet. Exactly. Because <laughs> you can't sell it to anybody. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a little bit different. Like when I first started, probably six months into my blogging journey over six years ago, I really wanted to write a book. So I put it on Amazon and it wasn't like I, you know, I didn't have one of those miraculous <laughs> six-figure book launches on Amazon or anything, but it did start bringing in a side hustle. So for me, like it was worth it to put it on Amazon because it was just a goal that I had. And it was easy to make it happen over time. But as far as I'm concerned, I think your next best yes is definitely to build out the website and the authoritativeness of this website. Because I guarantee you next summer, especially next summer, this stuff is going to really probably kick up on the traffic. So for now, I just need to not be focusing on the fact that there's not that many people. Just just put the content out and go for the long game on this. Yeah, Well, and what I tell people too is the blogging game's really fascinating because I I say it's a little bit like being a musician for some people. So if you're a musician and you put out an album, there could be 10 or 15 songs on your album, but only two of those songs does anybody ever remember or even know. And I feel like oftentimes for bloggers, it's the same way. Like for me, I've I've got over 600 pieces of content on my website and probably 20 to 30 of those posts drive the majority of the traffic. So when you think about those numbers games, sometimes quantity, especially in the beginning, to me, matters. And again, it depends on your niche and it depends on what your goals are for your website. But as far as I'm concerned, if you're building out the content on your website under specific categories, it's very authoritative, long form content that really lets people know, like, he knows what he's talking about. That's your best kind of next step because that really does build a strong foundation for a legit blog. Okay. And this is one question I have, because like on Nick's site, which I kind of really like the Side Hustle Nation site, there's a lot of stuff like Nick's picture and all those kinds of things on it. On my site, I'm trying to drop back. So I'm not like a personality per se. 
and I was also thinking there's a lot of there's a lot of women that that don't know how to maybe drill into the walls and do all these different things. So I'm thinking of using like my daughters and my wife and try to get their images on the site. So it's not just a guy showing this stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. You could use the picture from your about page of you and your wife and your sidebar. But the key is the people relate to people. And if you want to be an authority in this, it's, you know, I feel like your face should be there. Because a lot of sites that are rather spammy don't have anybody's face on it. Somebody just building out a website for the sake of ad revenue and there's no one to connect with. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. But that said, it doesn't need to necessarily be on the homepage. Like having your picture on the about page is something I do really like because it's, a, hey, if I'm on the site for two or three different pages, like, hey, who, who's writing this stuff anyway? So I always like to go check out who's behind it. And having a picture really kind of helps humanize the content. But for something like this, I don't see this as somebody like following this blog and like waiting for the the next post to go live. And it's like, it doesn't need to be a personal brand. It can be like, hey, I'm here to solve a specific problem. Okay. Listening to the wonderful Side Hustle show like a million times in the past month or so, a lot of people talk about, you know, driving and getting people to sign up for an email list. Should I be focusing on that now? Because I did create like a a 22-page PDF and I have kind of a funnel using MailPoet to get people to sign up and I've got like, you know, a dozen people. But should I not really worry about that or... I mean, they're basically going to get when I make a post to this. And so just be focusing on this, these SEO type thing and the content. 
there's a lot of different ways you can kind of approach that. If what I wrote down is as you're creating sort of this authoritative content, I might consider making quick win printables or quick win freebies that might be checklists or reminders or whatever, and asking for an email in exchange for that download, like for that printable item. And then I would take the bulky thing that you've made that's a freebie and turn it into like a $7 tripwire product. So when somebody opts in to that free thing, it redirects them to a sales landing page that says, hey, you can get this 22-page prepper's guide or whatever. I'd work on the title a little bit to be a little bit more compelling. But maybe it's normally like a $14 product, $15 product. They're getting it at a one-time 50% off offer for opting in or subscribing. That would be the first product that I would probably do for you. And that could just be like a PDF? Yep. So the PDF guide right now that you're giving away for free, if you want to make that into a PDF guide with some checklists or something like that, that can be its own product. In a niche like this, the opt-in offer could just be something like, here are the you know five essentials or the 10 essentials that you got to have in your emergency kit. Hey, these are what I swear by and you get people to opt in for that. And then like Kim is saying, you could do this limited time upsell after that. Like, hey, if you want to go in more depth, here's my 22 page guide. But I imagine there's a storm bearing down on you. There's a sense of urgency in all of this. Like, just tell me what I need. I don't have time to go through 22 pages. <laughs> like, I just want to know what I need to do. Exactly. Exactly. Again, I'm a computer guy, right? So I was thinking, well, should I make an app, a preparedness app? Website is mobile friendly because it's WordPress and I've got a good mobile friendly theme. But I'm thinking somebody's going to be out trying to drill holes in their wall or or going to the store trying to buy something and they they could be using some of the checklists and stuff. I mean, if you've got those skills, I don't see why that couldn't be one of your products. It's not something I would prioritize. Yeah. Because I think the content, content definitely, building out the authoritativeness of your website is number one. And then (laughs) branching out into the products is like the second phase. And part of that for me, when I'm talking to my clients and things, is like, I like to start with the categories. So coming up with, you know, even if you come up with like a blanket opt-in for your prepping category, a blanket opt-in for your survival category, and a blanket opt-in for your aftermath section, Each of those categories are things that you can progressively build on. So as you're thinking about the future of this business and where that's going and how you're going to monetize that, if you're going from this free prepping guide, what is the next step up? Is the next step up like a 365 guide to prepping for storms? Like, do you know what I mean? And then do you do a course? Like, where does that go based on the people that you have? Because I know we're talking about that you have a little bit of the urgency thing going on because people are hopping on here looking for information or whatever. You know, but if somebody is like, you know, this is the summer that I'm going to get my house ready, you know, or whatever, and maybe there's not impending storm, you know, you still have that opportunity to build out those, what I call product staircases, basically. So just thinking about the future of your business and how you're going to build it out with products or planning things or apps or however, at least having a plan for where you're going. Right. Well, some of the things that you do are, are, are cheap. Like I'm telling people, go to the if you go to the dollar store early, you can buy giant jugs of water for a dollar each. If you wait until the storm's coming in 24 hours, there's no water to buy at any price. But then there are other things like a generator costs five or six hundred dollars at the minimum. The propane tanks, the solar power stuff, the battery backups, all that stuff costs a lot more. And those are going to be the people that are going to do it ahead of time that I've learned to do myself just from the 
school of hard knocks. You don't want to have no electricity for five days. It's horrible. Eventually, it seems like I could refer people to affiliate links to like reviews of of generators or something. It seems like 10% of something that costs $600 or $1,000 is going to be a lot better than a $10 item affiliate link to Amazon, unless I have like millions of people clicking on there. Right. So there you have, there's a piece of content for you. Like here are the best diesel generators to, you know, to survive the storm. And that can be Amazon Associates content. And you can even have like countdowns to hurricane season. You know, like here's what you do. Here's what you do in January. Here's what you do in February. Here's what you do. Oh, that's a good idea. So the off season could be really focused on the prep. There are people that are going to be preparing. I like that. Because <laughs> that was one of my questions. You know, this is a seasonal thing. So there's like a six month time period, which unfortunately is getting longer every year because the storms are starting before the season and going after the season with climate change. It's unfortunately getting worse, but that makes sense to have a countdown kind of a thing. And, you know, make sure you're using tools. Nick was saying he used Arif's. I use KW Finder. The free one that's available, I think, is like Uber Suggest by Neil Patel. But just getting in there and seeing what people are actually searching for on Google, like understanding those keywords people are actually typing in, because a lot of times we keyword our content with what we think people are searching for. But when we actually do the research, we realize, hey, there's really like nobody looking at it, you know, looking for these particular words or whatever. And you want to make sure that you're paying attention to that, especially since you're so niche. And I have written hundreds and hundreds of posts that nobody was searching for. So please don't do that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I go back to my early content and I'm like, what was I doing? (laughs) (laughs) When I look at like, I've got keywords everywhere loaded on Chrome. So when I look at and I put in like hurricane preparedness or something like that, and I see a volume and then I see a CPC and then a comp, I'm not sure exactly what I should be looking for when I'm trying to decide those kinds of words, you know, like, like hurricane preparedness preparation list has a volume of 1000 and it has a CPC of $1.75. I'm just not sure exactly what those are telling me. Well, I don't really use like Google ads. Like I don't pay for to be featured in Google search results or whatever, because I'm always looking for free traffic because I'm thrifty like that. (laughs) But that's kind of the stuff I think, and maybe Nick can talk more about that too. I, I usually, I personally ignore those numbers. I'm looking at how many people are looking and then what's my competition? Like what's the possibility of me being able to rank for that? Yeah, so real quick, my understanding of those numbers, and this is, again, with the Keywords Everywhere Chrome extension, which is something that Kieran McRae turned me on to on an episode last year. It's a really cool extension. So the volume, that's like the approximate monthly search volume for that keyword. The CPC is like how much it would cost if you were to bid on that term using Google AdWords. And then the competition score ranges from zero to one. And the higher it is, the more competitive that is. So for hurricane preparedness, it says 8,100 searches a month and a competition score of 0.31. So it's not going to be super easy to rank for, but again, it goes all the way up to like 0.99 or one. So it's like, it, it could be worse. But looking at the first results for this, it's like the noaa.gov, ready.gov, weather.gov, redcross.org, cdc.gov, really, really authoritative domains. So it's going to have to be, at least initially, some longer tail stuff to uh, to try and go after. Those seem like that would be tough to hurdle over in the in the search results for that kind of high level, the short tail keyword of hurricane preparedness. Right. 
like your article about like how to put up shutters, like how to put up hurricane shutters. You want to obviously look that up, but I'm saying like that being a longer tail keyword, you're probably going to have less competition and probably, you probably will have a lot of searches on that. Okay. See, that makes sense because they'll tell you like put shutters up, but they don't tell you how to do anything. And that's kind of what you're looking for. You're looking for your looking to say, how do I set myself apart? There's going to be other people that are doing what you're doing, but how do you make your blog different? And some of the times it's just how you approach it. Sometimes it's your point of view or your perspective. But a lot of people probably, like you're saying, like I maybe your niche in that market is the how-to part of it. And that's actually an excellent way to generate content ideas is to look at these lackluster sites and resources that you're saying is the government has put up and to say, okay, what is the logical longer tail search somebody's going to go back to Google to to type in after they land on this site? Like, well, thanks, government website. <laughs> like, great. Now, how do I actually do that? And then they find you and they're like, oh, this is what I was looking for. Right. It's interesting because I was thinking, oh, I'd like to link to all of the evacuation maps for all the coastal states. And I know on my site here, I, I posted it. And it took me like days and days to do the research. And I knew what, exactly what I was looking for. And it took me forever. Some of these states are terrible. Some of them are incredible. But it's hard for people to find their own information. So, I mean, if someone could find that resource that I built, I know it's the best list that, that exists out there. Yeah, that's an awesome example. So one other thing I think you were asking about was like being able to drive traffic from Pinterest, for instance. So some just some tips on that is, you know, especially with what you do and what your niche is, be careful not to give away all the information in your image. So if for some reason you're doing a how-to post, don't do the before and after in the, <laughs> you know, like in the pin because then nobody has to go to your site to look and see what you did. I don't encourage you to do a lot of like infographics because then people don't have to go through, they don't have to click through to your site. Does that make sense? Okay. I did uh, do a couple infographics because I was like, I need something that would even look decent on Pinterest. Yeah. And the thing about Pinterest for me is like, Pinterest is all fine and dandy. And people like to talk about how amazing they're like pin views. And like, you know, I got 4,000 views of my pins this month. But if nobody clicked through, there's something wrong. Does that make sense? You're looking for traffic. Yeah, like what did that what did that actually get you? Yeah, it's a vanity metric. So what I want to know is how many people found that pin compelling enough to click on it to go to my website. Because that's where the money comes from for us. Okay. You want to make more than one pin for every post, maybe two or three. What's the reasoning behind that, Kim? So more recently, Pinterest has come out and stated that they want fresher content and they want new pins because you know how it goes. <laughs> When bloggers find a way to uh, set it and forget it, we often do. But Pinterest is looking for that user experience. And so they've gotten this this past like six months, they've come out and said, hey, you know, if you've been recycling the same pins for years and years, I mean, this is kind of, this is, this is the word on the street <laughs> about Pinterest, you know, is that they're just not going to continue to probably show that at the same strength they were before because they want new content, fresh content, fresh URLs, and then fresh images. So even if the image is new, but the URL is old, that's fine. For a brand new site like Jamie's, is that something that I would spend my time on? I, the reason that I would is because I feel like Pinterest is the quickest return on most people's time when they have a new site. Because you don't have to wait on basically like algorithms or like whatever, because Pinterest is a visual search engine. And so if you're able to keyword the description of that post 
for the purposes of like Pinterest search, it's going to probably be a little bit easier to get found in that search and quicker to get found in that search than it would be for Google because Pinterest hasn't got the same sort of, from what I've seen, the same sort of longevity, like all these different things that play into whether or not they're going to show you in search results. And so most people like that are, that are my clients I often tell them, you know, first of all, like if you can, if you can wrap your head around SEO, you should be doing SEO from day one, because if I could turn back time, (laughs) that's what I would do. But as far as looking at the traffic that you can get, you want to be able to get as much traffic as you can. And Pinterest has about a two to three month lag. So when you pin something, it's going to take about two to three months for you to see that thing pick up or get any momentum whatsoever. That's why a lot of what you're going to do this summer in particular is going to be very, very important for next summer is because next summer, if you have two or three pins per post, especially for this content, you should start to see a return on the time that you've spent on those pins. That's see, I, I didn't understand that at all. Like I'm pinning something and expecting, you know, something more instantaneous to happen. Yeah. But, and, you know, that comes down to a little bit of practice and stuff like that. I mean, I really encourage people to take a deep dive course into Pinterest. And I don't know if Nick has one he likes to recommend. I like Pinning Perfect. Melissa Colbertson from Blog Clarity and Anna Luther. Melissa works for Burt's Bees. And so she hangs out in Pinterest headquarters fairly regularly because of her day job. And she's one of the few people in the industry who have committed to updating the course every six months. So as things change within Pinterest, she goes back in and makes sure that we're in the know. I mean, that's why I knew about the changes in the URLs and the changes and all that is because like she stays on top of that sort of stuff. And she helps us navigate that. They update the course. they let you know about the changes. I mean, I retake this course every six months just so I stay on top of the Pinterest things. Kim, are there any tools that you're using for keyword research on Pinterest, if that is such a thing? No, I mean, that is just straight into Pinterest. So when you go into Pinterest and you plug a keyword into the search bar, Pinterest is really good, just like Google, about like kind of dropping down and showing you what the most common search terms are related to that short tail or long tail, whatever you're using. And when you pick one and you click on it, then all those tiles appear at the top that are specific sort of keyword extensions like DIY or whatever they may show up to be based on the topic. And then I kind of use those as well to kind of weave those in. You can kind of go down the rabbit hole with that where you keep (laughs) clicking deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah, no, so I I just typed in hurricane prep and it comes up with hurricane prep list, hurricane preparedness food, hurricane preparedness kit ideas. So yeah, I can see how you can go down the rabbit hole and start creating content around those specific keywords in considering Pinterest as a, a visual search engine, making sure that the images and, and text kind of like compel people to click over. Do the images have to be used in the actual post or can they be other images that I use? Yeah, you, you can use whatever you want. It doesn't have to be in the post. Right now, I will tell you, your competition for hurricane prep list is pretty weak. Not a ton of compelling pins over here. So there's it's an opportunity to stand out. Okay, that's good news. <laughs> kind of interesting on Pinterest too to follow the levels down because it's like if it was like birthday party cake oh my gosh like it would be like the end of the rainbow to follow that would just be deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper but if you type in the kind of stuff that you're doing in your niche based thing you probably only have to go three or four levels down before you sort of get to the end of Pinterest where it's not making any other recommendations and you can see who's kind of up at the top and what do their images look like because if they're showing the like you know what I mean like it's kind of looking to see what other images people are using and like what's working and things like that. But again, it's always sort of that attitude of I need to compel people to click through. So don't give them too much. Think about the title that you're putting on the pin. Think about the words and the size of the words. So like, you know, if you're doing putting up 
the shutters, for example. Let's see, I'm trying to think of a good title. Are you prepared? And then, you know, prepared needs to be like the biggest word so that it stands out in somebody's mind. You know, how to shutter tutorial or something like that. We'll link up the Thrifty Little Mom Pinterest <laughs> portfolio. So you can see what Kim's doing over there. Two million monthly viewers. Just just copy her pins. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like it's it's kind of cool because some people talking about return on investment, right? Like that's kind of, I think, what Nick was asking me about. He's like, should should he spend time making two extra pins per post? Well, if you go to somebody like Kara Fid has a, a website where she basically makes Canva image templates so that all you have to do is drag your own images in there and like change the colors to match your brand. That can be really helpful for somebody who doesn't have a lot of time to make lots of pins. What's that site again? Simplifying DIY design. Yeah. So it's fairly inexpensive. And a lot of people that I know who are like, I just suck at graphics. They just go get her templates. <laughs> they just drop them in, pick the fonts they like for themselves, and they're ready to go. Shoot, maybe I need to do this. Yeah, if your pins suck, you should probably get some templates. <laughs> oh, Pinterest is like <laughs> the, the enigma for me. It's like, I know there's people out there who could benefit from this stuff, but it's just hard to crack that code. The monetization side, we talked a little bit about affiliate marketing, which is kind of where I see the the natural direction, or at least, you know, the early direction in terms of monetization going. We talked about creating kind of a low-dollar tripwire type of product. But Jamie, any thought to where you see the business side or the money side of this site coming from? Well, as I had said, I, I thought at first I was going to do just an online course or an ebook, but then I've recently I was thinking, you know, I like it that it's clean and it doesn't have any ads on it. But then the more I listen to the other people on the Side Hustle show, I'm thinking, why am I not throwing some ads? I mean, obviously I don't have any traffic now, so it doesn't make any difference. But at some point, if I'm just putting in tons of free content, could I get enough revenue from ads to just, that would just be my, my product? Well, what I tell like my clients to do, if you're going to focus on pursuing traffic up front, basically I say run, run towards Mediavine. So Mediavine is an ad management network. They only require 25,000 users a month to be able to let them manage your ads, but they do it in such a way that they're filling the ads, they're making the ads compete, they're doing all these things that gets you the most money possible for your ads. And so back when I would get 2 or $3 CPMs or something from AdSense, now I make between $12 and $25 CPMs having an ad network manage that for me. And so like I had a friend who still had like AdSense on his site. And he, I know he must have had half a million page views. And I said, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, you're leaving probably four or $5,000 a month just on the table just by not having those. I'm a big fan of ads. I know that there's some sites that don't want them and are a little bit weird about them. But I genuinely feel like most people, like once you start getting traffic, it's free money. It just really is. Yeah, especially since you're kind of leaning away from the hi, this is Jamie, I'm a personal brand type of thing, you might not hesitate to do the ads. But like Kim said, it takes a critical mass of traffic before that even becomes remotely interesting. Otherwise, you're talking about pennies. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we should add CPM, Kim, correct me if this is wrong, CPM is the amount that you'll earn for a thousand page views. Yeah, that's my understanding. Well, I'll be happy when I actually get a thousand page views. <laughs> yeah, the key that I tell most people is, it's really just consistency. I think what happens to most people is they 
they really have this anticipation that in six months, they're going to have a six-figure online business, which I just sound like you do. But I think a lot of people go into blogging with that perspective. And I think part of that is because a lot of the success stories that are sort of <laughs> often shared, just like weight loss stories, they're wanting people to shine brightest, you know, so they put those stories out there. But I always encourage people, if you just put your head down and trust the process and you do your next best thing, put out the content and you stick with it and you're consistent with it, that that momentum eventually catches up with you. Yeah, I would add just to be intentional with the content that you're creating, have it be based on Google keyword research, Pinterest keyword research, and aim to create the best resource on the internet on that topic, because that's eventually what Google wants to show at the top of their results. And so I, I see you doing that with some of these like really epic long-term posts. I don't even know what that's called, like skyscraper type of posts where it's like super detailed type of thing in the ones that answer specific user questions. How do I install the storm shutters? How do I tell if my propane tank is full? Like those are the types of questions I see people typing in rather than a couple of these recent posts like hunker down for hurricane Barry, like I think we talked about, like, I don't know if it makes sense to target the specific storm names. But like the how to tell if my propane tank is full, excellent example of you helping someone understand these things. And sometimes you can produce like what I call quick win posts, you know, that might be listicle or just specifically targeting, you know, maybe one thing that you talked about in your authoritative post, just kind of like what you guys were talking about, where you can take an authoritative post and then take one of your main points out of that and then go into that even more detailed. Oh, that's a good idea. It's interesting you said about the propane tank is full because I did that one because I have all these propane tanks and it's hurricanes out there. And I'm like, I don't know if I've got fuel in them or not. So I found this little gadget and then I talked my wife into being in the video, which I think actually came out pretty good. But that one, that's like the only thing on the site that I'm getting like searches hitting is that about that propane tank. And I never thought that was going to be a big deal. Perfect example, because it's like, it's got the video, it answers a specific question. And in this case, it links to an affiliate product. It's like, hey, this is how I solve this problem. So I think that's a great example of the kind of content that's going to that's gonna be easy to monetize for you and also be search friendly. Jamie, any last minute questions you want to get Kim's opinion on before we wrap up? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I really appreciate the, the ideas, because just hearing somebody totally unrelated to this project, it's good to hear some objective thoughts because the problem with doing a side hustle thing is I've got a couple close friends who are all computer people that are trying to do things. And then I've got my family. And like, I, when I bring this up, everybody just runs away from me, you know, because they're, they're sick of it already. And I'm only like a month into it. We understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People just don't get it. When I did my, I think when we did, I've talked to Nick about this before. When I first started blogging, my husband was like, what are you doing? Because he's an electrical engineer. And he's like, why are you always on your computer? I'm like, I'm building a business. (laughs) I'm building a blog. Leave me alone. Don't bother me. I'm building an empire. (laughs) And he's like, okay, but you know, and then he messed with me enough that I remember looking at him and being like, I'm going to make more money than you. Back off. And he's like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And then the first month I made more than him, he was like, well, I guess you were right. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Well, it's a lot of fun, too. It's a very addictive thing because even what I've got so far, like when something does, somebody clicks on something and I'm excited about it. So I can see doing this for years, this specific topic I really enjoy. And And I'd like just to get some other streams of income, independent streams of income coming in. Even if they're relatively small, uh, it would just be good for us. 
And don't forget, you know, as you get further along and as you grow everything, because you're niche enough, it probably will be easier for you to get some sponsorship stuff, maybe with some insurance agencies or shutter companies, maybe even like, I don't know, chemical cleaning companies or, you know, what might relate to each of those sort of categories that you cover who might not have any other influencers out there that would relate necessarily to their brand. Do you think it would be useful? I mean, to me, it would be useful if people had a way to send me a message or something. But if I put something on the homepage and like, if you have a question, I would be happy to answer people's questions unless I got zillions of them. But I would also give me some feedback on what people are interested in. But should I do that on the site or should I do that through Facebook or Twitter or something where I'm interacting with people? Yeah. I mean, you could do it on all of those, but even in your first email. So when someone subscribes, sending an email response, sort of like a welcome that says what they can expect from you, kind of what you do. And then having a thing that says, hey, is there any questions I can answer for you that way? Also sort of helps your email situation because if they're responding directly to your email, the theory is that that sort of puts you out of the spam box. Yeah, that's a double win. You're getting content ideas and helping your deliverability. Do you feel like you have a path forward? Yes, I'm going to do everything she just said. (laughs) That's what I like about this project because all my other side hustles in the past have been like inventing something or writing some super complex app. And this is something different than what I do for my day job. You know, I'm programming all day. So this is technically a simpler thing. I just don't understand all the terminology and all the things that like you just talked about. Those are new, new to me. And I think at the end of the day, just recognizing what a powerful thing you're building, that you're creating a website that could potentially literally save people's lives or literally help someone survive a storm, that's a pretty big deal. So I say kudos to you for going after this, because if there's not great resources out there and you're able to make great resources, that's the kind of power that you have. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I think Kim and I can both kind of see what this site might look like in two to three years and the level of authority that that it's built in that time and the number of people that you've helped over that time. And that's why we're not saying, uh, this is a crappy niche. You should probably just switch gears and go back to, you know, building apps and, and inventing other stuff. I think there is something to this. And it's just this, there's this learning curve and then there's this content creation hurdle to kind of get there where you kind of just, okay, deep breath. Like I understand it's going to be some time before I start to see some meaningful traffic from it, but it's probably worth it in the long run. I will do it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where the blinders come from. Like just in this season of creating the content and building out the authoritative website, you just put your blinders on to everything else because right now that's what's going to matter at the long term. Sounds good. We'll have to do a follow-up, see where Jamie is at with hunkerdown.guide in uh, the next year or two. Excited to see what comes of this conversation and everything that gets built over there. Kim, you can check her out at kimandersonconsulting.com. We'll link up her Pinterest profile as well as an example of Pinterest done right. And uh, of course, check her out on our previous episode, episode 253. Thank you guys so much for joining me and we'll catch up soon. All right, my top three takeaways from this call with Jamie and Kim. Number one is don't go in blind. What I mean by that is don't do what I did. For my first seven or eight years of blogging, maybe even longer, I paid zero attention to keyword research or estimated search volumes or competitiveness. And sure, I had a few lucky hits during that time that ended up ranking really well by accident. That can happen, but I will tell you, for the volume of content I created, I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of posts, most of them never ended up picking up 
any search traffic. And since learning more about SEO and creating content with intention, I've improved my results considerably and saved so many hours at the keyboard. That's the learning curve I'm talking about here. Now, how do you actually get this done? Kim and I mentioned several keyword research tools in this call. Ahrefs, there's a free seven-day trial. KW Finder is a more affordable alternative. And the Keywords Everywhere Chrome extension is a good free place to start. I'll link those up for you on the show notes page for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash Jamie, again, J-A-M-I-E. Now, when your site is brand new, you're better off going for low competition keywords just because you don't have the domain authority yet to pull off these harder ones. And I'm talking about less than a 0.1 competitiveness score in Keywords Everywhere or like a 10 or below in keyword difficulty in Ahrefs. And as your authority builds, that's when you can kind of go after the more difficult terms. That's takeaway number one. Don't go in blind. Do some research before you set out to create your content. Takeaway number two is video. I see a big opportunity in video, both for Jamie and for other site builders. And I'll include myself in that group. For Jamie, I'm thinking of content like product demo and review videos and step-by-step how-to guides that can complement the written content on a site and give him another piece of content to begin picking up some search traffic. And takeaway number three is your efforts can change lives and save lives. If you're struggling with motivation to keep going in your online business, know that there are probably people out there who need to hear from you. They need your help. And maybe your niche isn't as dire as Jamie's, but I think it's something worth recognizing. Those dots on the Google Analytics chart those dots on the podcast download chart, those are real people. They found your stuff, they're paying attention, and through your content, you can change their lives for the better. And with that, I'll wrap it up. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.